Amen. So, inside your bulletin, you have a sheet. Because people ask me every year for, well, they don't ask me to give them a checklist on how to search their, uh, themselves, search and examine a starting point. But this would be a good list to look at. But on the other side, we have a little of our Rosh Hashanah humor. So tashlich, as I mentioned before, is when you take breadcrumbs and you throw them in the area uh, of the water, and it represents that you're throwing away your sins based on Micah 7.19. And you'll notice that there's a list of sins. Based, and based on that list of sins, you pick a bread that is... So I'll let you read this. I'm not going to go over this. We don't have time for this stuff. But uh, just understand that this is supposed to be funny. <laughs> don't say that you went to Shoresh Devin and they told you legalistically what bread to use to get rid of your sin and throw it into the water. If any of you say that, we're going to come after you. Even you on Facebook. Or especially you on Facebook. I don't know. But at any rate, there you have it, a, an exhaustive list of what breads to use to get rid of your sin. Oh, yes, that's, that's right. It's terrible. Okay. <laughs> so this is an amazing time of year. I, I absolutely love it. Uh, it is called the Fall Feasts. It's the beginning with Rosh Hashanah. These Fall Feasts are not Jewish holidays. They are God's appointed times, Moedim, appointed times. And so God gives us Leviticus 23, and he says, these are my, my appointed times. And what is the first appointed time he gives us? Shabbat, very good. He gives us Shabbat. And so that's our weekly moed, or appointed time. Then he gives us a monthly one. It's called Rosh Chodesh. And then he gives us some extra ones, which is what we're in now. Actually, today, it's a double portion of a blessing because not only is it Rosh Hashanah, we'll talk about that name in a minute, but it's also Rosh Chodesh today. So we're actually doubly celebrating. So this is the evening of the first of Tishrei on the Hebrew calendar. And Tishrei actually means beginning. But uh, God has called us to this time as a community to come together and worship him. In these holy days, I believe we are rehearsing God's plan of the redemption of mankind. And we're also here to understand that he wants us to be holy, sanctified, and set apart. And we are set apart when we come here and, and, and celebrate these days. We're agreeing to be set apart. His instructions 
God's instructions on, in his appointed time, when we observe them, it keeps us humble and it keeps us under authority. And what I said yesterday at services, I still believe the world we live in is chaotic. And it is becoming more chaotic. But I believe the reason for that is the world does not have an authority. They do not know nor believe in God. And that's what makes our world chaotic. We have to be a light to the world. So Rosh Hashanah is not the biblical name of this holy day. Rather, the biblical name is... See, why am I even telling you? You guys know this. Yom Teruah, the blowing of the shofar, the day of the blowing, actually. However, since all of Judaism calls it Rosh Hashanah, we're going to do the same. Um, and even though it's considered the Jewish New Year, we know that on God's calendar, we see in Exodus 12:2 that that's the first month uh, of the year is in the spring at the time of Passover. Growing up fairly relaxed in Judaism in a Jewish household, we were Reformed Jews. We didn't go to services, services often. But on Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, we were there. Rosh Hashanah and, and, and uh, Yom Kippur are sort of like the Christmas and Easter of the church, you know? The Jews show up, right? It never occurred to me growing up that these holy days had anything to do with Yeshua or the Messiah or Yeshua the Messiah. So as I grew in my faith, all of a sudden I started seeing this, and it was amazing to me. So the three fall feasts represent the final gathering of God's people. So Rosh Hashanah, the head of the year, is the first of the seventh month. And one of the things that it says in Rosh Hashanah in Leviticus 23, that we are to have a holy convocation. A holy convocation means services. It's what we're doing now. And funny enough, Yom Kippur, uh, Day of Atonement, is on the 10th day of the seventh month. And guess what? One of the things we're supposed to do on Yom Kippur is have a holy convocation. And then Sukkot, the Feast of Booths, or tabernacles, the 15th day of the seventh month. And guess what? There, we're supposed to have a holy convocation on the first day of Sukkot and on the eighth day. And so we are doing all of those things. Question is, are you doing those things? <laughs> we'll be here. So Rosh Hashanah is like a wake-up call. You hear the shofar blast. Hopefully it wakes up the body of believers. Yom Kippur, final opportunity for the nation of Israel and the world to come and receive their atonement. Sukkot is that feast of booths or God tabernacling with us and gathering his believers to himself. Now, Rosh Hashanah has a lot of names. I already told you, Yom Teruah, the day of the sounding 
or the noise or the shofar. When I think of the shofar, I think of a lot of scriptures, but one is, I always think of Joshua defeating Jericho and the walls come tumbling down after blowing the shofar, right? Or, but Psalm 98.6 is a cool one. With trumpets and sound of the shofar blast, a sound before the king, Adonai. And, and I believe that's what this holy day is all about. But it's also called Yom Hazikoron, the day of remembrance. God will remember us in the book of life. Yom Hadin, the day of judgment. God will uh, sovereignly judge the people. It's also called Chag Sameach. It's one of the greetings. You're wishing somebody a joyous festival. We are instructed at Rosh Hashanah to have fun, to have joy. And um, you've heard some people already greet you. They might have said, Lashana Tova, have a good year. Or Shana Tova Umetuka, which is a good and sweet year. Or Shana Tova Tikva Tevu, which is may you be inscribed for a good year. Or just say, Gudyantiv which is Yiddish for good holiday. So between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, those 10 days, is something called Yomim Noraim, which means the days of awe. And in this, is, this is a time where we're to repent, we're to go before God, this is a serious time of introspection, which is why in your sheets you got that list of things to consider. Um, because, you know, I find that most people left on their own devices will really think more of what you, your problems are rather than our own. So this gives you an opportunity to do a little inspection. According uh, to the Talmud, which is a commentary on the Bible, um, Rosh Hashanah coincides with the sixth day of creation when humanity was created, and so it becomes the birthday of all people. It's, of course, uh, it's also celebrated in a sense of the birthday of the world. And uh, Rosh Hashanah in scripture, though, it, we'll see it in Leviticus 23, starting with 23 to 25. So we can turn to that in our slides. There we go. Adonai spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to B'nai Yisrael, saying, In the seventh month of the first day of the month, you are to have a Shabbat rest, a memorial of blowing shaforot, a holy convocation. You are to do no regular work, and you are to present an offering made by fire to Adonai, which obviously Ron talked to you about, the offering of fire. Um, so there are basically four things that it says to do on this day. Rest, have, blow the shofar, have services, and an offering. Now there are five themes that I believe are part of Rosh Hashanah. One we've already talked about. Malchiot, which is kingship. God is our father, God is our king. Another one is blowing of the shofar, Yom Teruah. A third one is believing God for a sweet year. A fourth one is recognizing our sin and repenting. And number five is 
believing that our name should be written in the book of life. We want to be remembered by the Lord. So we're going to look at these five aspects for a couple minutes, starting with Malchiot, which is kingship. God is our father, our king. We depend on him. So we trust him as king over our lives. We trust him in every circumstance. We trust him concerning our family and friends. We trust that he knows what's best for our lives. How many want to repent now? You don't have to raise your hands. But just the thought is that just there, with all that trusting that we're supposed to do, it probably is time for all of us to repent. Because I'm sure none of us trust God as much as we should. We serve him through our actions and deeds, through our speech, and serve him by denying self. We worship him. Our heart, our soul, our spirit, our mind, all should be worshiping him. So on this day, along with really every Shabbat, we are to focus on God. God should be the center of our thoughts, our thinking, our discussion. It should be all about God. Secondly, blowing the shofar in Scripture. There are many reasons in Scripture to blow the shofar. Warning, gathering to worship, call people to war. They even use the shofar blasters in front of the army when going to war to proclaim a holy assembly before God, to call people to repentance, to call people to prayer, to awake people out of spiritual slumber, to make a covenant with God to proclaim liberty and freedom. In Matthew 24, 30, it says, I love this scripture, then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and then all the tribes of the land will mourn. And they will see the Son of Man coming out of the clouds with power and great glory. He will send out his angels with a great shofar. And they will gather together his chosen from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. We see this also in 1 Thessalonians 4. For the Lord himself shall come down from heavens with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the blast of God's shofar. And the dead in Messiah shall rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left behind, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Now, if you read this to most Jewish people, they would say, Jews don't believe in resurrection. However... We see in Daniel 12, 1 and 2, a very similar scripture. And Daniel is part of the Jewish scriptures. At that time, Michael, the great prince who stands guard over the sons of your people, will arise. There will be a time of distress such as never occurred since the beginning of the nation until then. But at that time, your people, everyone who is found written in the book will be delivered. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, 
and others to shame and everlasting contempt. I think this is a clear message. Number three, we are to believe God for a sweet new year. This tradition also comes from Scripture. Of all places, Nehemiah. Nehemiah 8, verse 8. They read from the Torah scroll of God, distinctly explaining it and giving insight. Thus, this is what they read. Then Nehemiah, the governor, Ezra, the Kohen scribe, and the Levites who were teaching the people said to all the people, Today is Kadosh to Adonai, your God, do not mourn or weep. For all the people had been weeping when they heard the words of the Torah. So he said to them, go, eat food, drink sweet and drinks, and send portions to those who have nothing ready. For today is Kadosh to our Lord. Do not grieve for the joy of the Lord, the joy of Adonai, is your strength. Did you ever think of what is the joy of the Lord? We say that scripture so often. Did you ever stop and think, what is the joy of the Lord? What makes God happy? What, what does he look like when he's joyful? What does he seem like, act like? I mean, you ever think of that at all? I just throw that out. I don't have any response for that except to just think about it. But it, it just, uh, it pleases me that when he's happy, I'm strong. Think about it. So what we do for that is we have apples and honey, and that's the traditional part, where it, we, for a sweet and joyful new year, at the end of service, you can all try and crowd back there. <laughs> Do we have enough apples and honey for this crowd? I don't know. But at any rate, we have apples and honey. You can have a good time. You can, uh, and not only will you be eating apples and honey, but you will feel like sardines. <laughs> Never mind. Number four, if you're keeping track. We are to recognize our sin and repent. So tashlik, I've already explained it to you, uh, the idea is we take breadcrumbs, you go to an area of water, and you throw them into the water, representing uh, the fact that uh, you're getting rid of your sins. You're sending them into the water. And let me just say that we will be doing this at a little different spot tomorrow than normal. Normally, we just go right down Bay to Bay to Bayshore and right there. But we're going to go about a minute or two north. There is a park there, and we're going to have a little service at the park and then cross the street there. So I will give everybody directions tomorrow if you'd like to go. It's after services at 2 o'clock. And this comes from the scripture, Micah, Micah 7, 18 and 19. Who is a God like you, pardoning iniquity, overlooking transgression for the remnant of his heritage? He will not retain his anger forever because he delights in mercy. He will again have compassion on us. 
and will subdue our iniquities. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. So this is talking about God will put our sins into the depths of the sea. But that's where this tradition comes from. Finally, the book of life. The book of life is really not talked about very much. It sounds almost like a fantasy that God would have a book of life. But on Rosh Hashanah, we know him as the ultimate judge. And there are a number of scriptures that speak about the book of life. Psalm 69, 28 through 30, add guilt to their guilt. May they not come into your righteousness. May they be wiped out of the book of life and not record, uh, be recorded with the righteous. But I, I am afflicted and in pain. Let your salvation, O God, set me up on high. In Daniel's vision, in Daniel 7.10, it says the court was seated and books were opened. And um, we see in uh, Daniel 12.1, which we already read, but at that time, your people, everyone who is found written in the book, will be delivered. In Exodus 32:33, it says, Adonai said to Moses, whoever has sinned against me, I will block out of my book. Revelation 20:15 declares, and if anyone was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. We believe that the book of life is the set of names of those who will live with God forever in heaven because they received Yeshua as their Messiah. Jewish, traditional Jewish understanding is that there are three books. Uh, one for the righteous, one for the unrighteous, and one for the undecided. And Yom Kippur is that time later on when we get to Yom Kippur where the undecided go to one book or the other. That's the Jewish thought. I just throw that in for you. Revelation 3, 5 and 6. The one who overcomes thus will be dressed in white clothes. I will never blot his name out of the book of life and will confess his name before my father and his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Ruach, the Spirit, is saying to Messiah's communities. Finally, Yeshua says in John 5, 24, Amen, Amen. I tell you, whoever hears my word and trusts the one who sent me has eternal life. He who does not come into judgment, uh, I'm sorry, he does not come into judgment, but has passed over from death into life. Hebrews 31, 31 is a scripture that I think about a reasonable amount of time. It is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. God is quite serious, I believe, about his word. So let me close by saying the following. God forgives and redeems us through his great love, but he tells us even in the Hebrew scriptures in Isaiah 53, 6, we all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us turned to his own way. So the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And the question, of course, is who is him?
Then later on in that same chapter, we see Isaiah 53, 11 and 12, talking about someone took our sins upon themselves. The righteous one, my servant, will make many righteous, and he will bear their iniquities. He poured out his soul to death and was counted with transgressors. For he bore the sin of many and interceded for the transgressors. Who do we say that is? I believe there's only one in history, both past and present history, who we can name for that, and that is Yeshua. So as we close this portion, on Rosh Hashanah, we know we have the shofar being blown. The question is, will it be blown to warn you that you are not right with God? Or will it be blown to assemble you and other believers to come into the presence of the Lord? This is your choice. This would be a good time to make that choice. Be ready now. It's a reminder of our need to be ready. We have no idea when the last trumpet will call. So I'm going to ask Rabbi Bob to come forward as we blow the shofar once again. We'll say the blessing once again. Join with me in English. Blessed are you, O Lord, our God, King of the universe, who has sanctified us by your word and commanded us to hear the shofar call. Baruch Ata Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam, Asher Kirishanu Bidvarecha Vitsivanu Lishmoa Kol Shofar. Amen. Tikiyam Shevarim Teruah Tikiya 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 Shevarim Tikiya Shevarim Terua Tikiya Gadola Amen.